grandma's here. Grandma's got some ice in her wine. <laughs> She's just enjoying this evening's fine offerings of guns, coins, and Pokemon cards. At a Dallas Dallas auction club or whatever the fuck. I don't even know where that was from. Oh, Texas. That explains it. <sighs> yeah. Every auction has to have guns. And Pokemon cards? I know. that Will just found an amazing internet item. This auction. One of the rare gems that just so nonsensical but sums everything up about the culture all at once. I feel like if you just take, you know, pop onto live auctioneers on a a weird Tuesday, you're going to find something strange popping off there. And you're like, hmm, huh. Because it's not just art. It's There's a lot of auctions for everything. Yeah, sure. You sure. can auction off whatever you want. It's kind of amazing to me that the value of Pokemon cards has stayed as steady, steady as it is. It was not a Beanie Babies situation. Don't people still collect them? They absolutely do. And the vintage ones only go up in value, it seems. Which is wild. It's so really wild. crazy. I think Nintendo has just done a really good job of cultivating that market somehow. They, they It spans generations in a way that other fads don't. Well, they ran that really good gambit of like, uh, the kids that are getting a little too old get in for like blue and red. And then, you, you know, you grow up. You you say no to no to squishy Pokemons. I don't want to see this fucking Pikachu in my face ever again. And now you have latent nostalgia yeah. and lots of spending money. So you can buy your Switch, buy Arceus, and then buy the two new ones, and then just you you know go ham. Yeah, it's hard to talk about it in any serious tone, but Pokemon is a really good game. Like I get okay. why people still like it and still want to play it. As far as video games go, it's not a waste of your time. You know. it's fun it's engaging it's got a good story you know there's a lot of variety to it it's endlessly repeatable like you know i can play pokemon red once a year you know do you i do i have an emulator on my computer and sometimes i crack it open and for three days you know you sit there for three days you play the classic yeah it's fun because it takes time too it takes too much time well, you know, yeah. That's so why I don't like the RPG things as like, let's let's replay it for funsies. It's like, God, this takes so fucking long. Well, you just play it in little bits, you know. I mean. And you forget as an adult that when you were a child and you're like, oh, this game took so long. It's because you didn't know what you were doing and there was no internet to figure it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. also you'd just like sit in Mount Moon and grind killing Zubats for like two hours until your Pokemon was level 50. And it doesn't need to be that. But until just, so much later yeah, in the game that's true. that you just play it all through this like dumb way. But as an adult, I realized, like, oh, this doesn't take... It really doesn't take any time at all. If you get lost, you just go, click, click, internet, hello. Yeah. There's, like, n- there's nothing confusing about it. I uh, When I got the little mini Super Nintendo, I was like, ooh, Super Metroid. Never played it. Metroid's really hard. It's not hard with the internet. Oh. It's great. Yeah. You can get cheated a little bit. Oh, really? Well, they just tell you, like, okay, we're going to literally, in words, not just pictures, tell you where to go. And I'm like, thank you so much. Well, I remember back in the 90s, you had to buy a strategy guide from the grocery store. I had that for grocery Pokemon store. at one point and uh, for Goldeneye. No, you got those from uh, your local neighborhood uh, game gurus, game guys, Not, but whatever was before GameStop. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, before GameStop, it was really like Blockbuster and shit. No. Or there was like a store at the mall. There like, were two competing like game stores. I KB Toys. Oh, that was, for, that was for Richie's. Everything was overpriced at KB. It, yeah, it was. It was rare that I got something from there. But for whatever reason, I feel like that's where video games came from. Or, you know what? No, Toys R Us. Oh, yeah, Straight yeah. up, just big box stores had them. Oh, yeah. 
That's what it was like. But yeah, no, I got the strategy guides from the grocery store because they were not the Nintendo sponsored ones. They, oh. were, they were generic ones. And I was cheaper. no, 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 no. We we don't do generic in this house. Name brand only for video game products. Thank you so much. Well, hey, it wasn't really up to me, man. I was ten years old. That's right. You know? Okay, yeah, fair. I mean, I would just be like, it's hard. And my parents would be like, do we have to go get a strategy guide? And they're like, I'd be like, eventually. And they're like, how whiny are you going to be about this? I'm like, oh, three more days. And they're like, fine. <laughs> if you can wait. I'm like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Another thing to keep in mind is that you were the only one. So maybe oh, when you were right. getting toys and things, springing for the name brand might have been okay. Mm. But when there's two of you, nobody gets name brand anything, frankly. Right, right, I think right, I've right. told you the story about getting Super Nintendo for Christmas when what I asked for was Nintendo 64. I'm sure that went well. I mean, it was one of my earliest like adult moments with my parents where I had to look them in the eye and be like, thanks. And I could I just see this. on their faces yeah. that they knew they fucked up. Oh. And... uh pretend to be enthusiastic about the like several year old system yeah yeah that wasn't great no no that's when i knew what the midwest would be like just lie through your teeth and pretend you like it this (laughs) is the rest of your life well pakistan ukraine world's attention ohio um (laughs) just happens to be true um oh yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know where to go from there uh-huh. Do you want to talk about Ukraine? Not really. <laughs> you never want to talk about things like this. I kind of do. Because I don't know, like, I feel like everybody on all sides are doing a really good job of, like, uh, what's that thing? You know the stuff? Where Will, we're recording the podcast. I'm going to need you to figure this out, man. This is not good. This is one of those times. I thought you were, you seemed okay today. Propaganda. Thank you. <laughs> I got really tired. I had my little soup bowl and now I'm real tired. You know, if you need a minute to think of a word, just be silent. The silences are easy to get rid of in the edit. Oh, right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, saying what's the thing, you know, the thing. <laughs> you know, the thing. We, we're not going to do that birds. tonight. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that with you. Ugh. So, yeah, you're saying everybody on all sides is doing a good job of propaganda. I think so. Because, like, Twitter is doing that thing of, like, don't worry. They're really, the underdogs are really doing it. And then people are like, well, but. And there's these like Chechens, Chechenians, Chechens. What's the difference? Chechenians and Chechens are the same thing. I think Chechen is the proper way to say it. It just like reminds me of like 90s Bond movies like Chechnya. Well, this has been much discussed on the internet the last couple of days, but there's a lot going on with like pronunciations of things like everyone's saying Kiev now. Yeah, when I mean, the westernization has always been Kiev and it's fine to just say Kiev. It's not guys. It's, yeah. If you're in America, it's Kiev. Yeah, okay. I was like, what are we, are we renaming the chicken dish? I don't get it. And I think similar things are probably going on with Chechens and Chechnyans and, you know. Hey, listen, we mispronounce things over here because we speak a different language. It's not like Russians say things right. Oh, never. You know? No. So it's fine. Just right. use the Americanized version. It's okay. It's not disrespectful or anything. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. But I, I just was confused looking at it and I was like, is this a new city? No, I know. I thought the same thing, too, because, you know, you're caught up in all of this information coming in and you're like, oh, they're attacking this city and that city. And you're learning the geography of Ukraine. At least I am. Yeah. I mean, it's like I always knew where Kiev was. But other than that, I don't know shit about. I thought Odessa was in Greece. I know where Chernobyl was and I knew where uh, Kiev was. Mm. I guess I know where Odessa is, too, because there was famous stuff from World War Two near Odessa. But like 
come on, nobody really knows. So no. you're learning all this stuff, and then you see KYIV, and you're like, is that the same place or different place or, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It, it was very like what? Well, what makes no sense about it to me, as far as like wanting to respell it or say it differently, is like, well, at that point, why don't you just use the Cyrillic? Like, use the Russian or Ukrainian. Like, you wouldn't do that because no one could read it. No one so could why read change it. it to like the phonetic way? Then it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Because then it would be K Y E V, Kiev. Yeah, but I guess it's not two syllables. You know, it's Kiev. Like, whatever. It's Kiev. whatever. Who cares? It's Kiev. Anyway, the information warfare thing I think is a interesting angle on the whole Ukraine thing because that was my initial reaction to it too. Is you know I wanted to record the night it happened because yeah. we had just recorded the last episode. And I was like, I will pass away, so we're going to hard pass on that one. And I think it was good that we didn't do that. You were right in saying, like, listen, everything's going to be outdated. Like, why don't we cool it? Yeah. And you're right, because... By tomorrow, everything will... Well, we should say, we're recording this Sunday night, the 27th. Tomorrow, Russian markets are going to be fucked. Yeah, I know. The market situation's... The gas prices this week, watch out for it. A lot of stuff's going to happen. But that's just to say, things are moving fast, and so everyone knows it's hard to keep up with it. But the reaction I had soon after reading about it was like, wow, the media bubble that I'm a part of was so wrong i think all media bubbles were wrong except the mainstream one which is the craziest thing i think it threw everybody for a loop i don't think anybody right or left the only people that actually believed this was going to happen were like boomer cnn watchers right and the american deep state like they actually called something for once and rightfully nobody believed them which because is, we yeah. all remember the Iraq war and all the other 500 times in the last 20 years that they've cried wolf and it was wrong. Right. So additionally, it's really crazy watching liberals and really people of all stripes get all pro-Ukraine and buy into a lot of propaganda online right now. Because, wait a minute, did, it's okay to be skeptical of these people. Like, yes, they got one thing right. Because Putin did something that was like, has no upside. The rationale behind this is makes no sense. That's why nobody else saw it. Right. So it's just amazing that American intelligence somehow was right about it. I mean, they might have just gotten lucky. Who knows? (sighs) I don't know enough about the intricacies of like spycraft and that kind of gathering to know how they determined this, which is why I don't trust them. Well, you know, but the CIA has been really looking at Russia for, you know, better part of 70 years. So they might know a little bit at this point, you know? Yeah. I mean, the Cold War never really ended. No. I mean, we just humiliated them we went into this really deep one time on an after show about russian history and like it's it's a it's kind of easy to see russia's perspective on a lot of things if you're at all against the american like military industrial complex well if you're against imperialism at all but then also like russia really loves you know russian empire so you're like what is the truth um well i think part of the reason that this is so confusing to people and why a lot of people are like getting rah-rah about it or buying a lot of bullshit is that like this was a very imperialist aggressive move on putin's part not unlike bush in the iraq war like a totally irrational thing on false premises that makes no sense that is going to cost them a lot of lives and a lot of money and is just aggressive on its face right like no one should apologize for that Putin is the bad guy in in this situation, but that doesn't mean to be uncritical of, like, America's position in this. Right. At the same time, like, it's not about the United States right now. It's a little frustrating to me watching Americans make it about themselves. Of course. Well. 
because that's just what we do. We're fucking, you know, t- I was listening to Tim Dillon's podcast today. And he was like, we're just a nation of demons, like just demonic people. Well, did you and see? It's true. I mean, the, the first hot take that came out was like, there's a lot of bad news out there. And if you're an empath, I know you're going to have a really hard time. It's like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay to take a break from the news coverage. <sighs> it just happened and you need to take a break, I guess. Instead of doom scrolling, like which is always my thing, I'm like, tell me everything from all sides for twelve hours straight. Like, someone tell me things, and then you're just like, well, but then then you can have that thing of like, okay, that looks like old footage. This is new. Fo-. Like, what what is actually happening? Like, and then you just you can go, all right, I can say I know nothing, and I think that's the best take. Right. Yeah, like I think the only thing that you and I are going to be able to speak to in any kind of like interesting way is the media angle of it because it, which I think is a lot of Americans experience anyway because you're just seeing all this like pre-digested information. It's like eating processed food. Like all you're getting is processed information and yeah. the idea of trying to sort out like what the ingredients are that are contained within this is really challenging right now and, and it's kind of fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me because it's a war situation and I kind of like that stuff. I like you know things as detailed as like what is the tactical situation on the ground because this hasn't happened in a long time so what are we doing here and that's can sound really cold because people are getting fucking killed but you know by the same token you hear things like the russians suffered four thousand casualties in three days and i'm like that it can't be that can't be right yeah if it is right it would be just as shocking as the invasion itself i mean that's a tremendous amount. so many yeah but then again, you see a video on Twitter that's like it looks like the Iraqi highway of death of like a road of burnt out tanks and dead right. bodies. And yeah. you're like, holy shit, like somehow Maybe. the Ukrainian military is taking down a bunch of Russian tanks. I don't know. Well, but it's it, also hard to tell what side is what in these videos. Yeah, I can't you don't tell know, if they're yeah. speaking Ukrainian or Russian sometimes. Oh, it's I insane. Yeah, no. It's very, very difficult to sort it all. But out. then you have those like, you know, upworthy things of like oh we we captured these 18 year olds and we let them call their parents because they didn't even know they were going to war i'm like is it true is it not like you want again x-files you want to believe but i I also don't know i i think i'm I'm gonna get tired of saying it if i don't just say it one time definitively like all of this i'll speak for myself I, i bet it's true of you though comes with the caveat of i don't know i just don't know but the thing about the Russian soldiers, I've seen enough videos like that of them being like terrified and scared right. of the situation that they're in. That seems seems legit. Again, much like the war in Iraq, they don't want to be there. No one. They just got ordered there, and Russia has conscription for men. Yeah, they're not a volunteer army. So, like, I feel legitimately really, really bad for the young Russian people that get caught. You know, yeah. they are in a really bad situation where they could get executed, and they don't want to be there right that's really bad that's terrifying and by and large the videos that i've seen probably because social media is scrubbing the more graphic ones right it seems like the ukrainians are treating them with at least some amount of respect i mean they're berating them but they're not killing them who knows and i'm sure they that's did not the thing universal. of like one guy they like taped his eyes so he couldn't be id'd yeah maybe. and i was like hey that's gonna hurt later so like i see i see what you're doing but like also you can't just use the facial recognition software which i'm sure you know could be used i don't know um i mean if somebody wants to id that guy they're going to be able to do it based not even on what he looks like they're going to be able to see his uniform no right. you know, based on a geotag where that video is taken from you can figure it out based on the what we know of deployments and you would right narrow it down enough i don't know <sighs> it's a nasty situation though i mean like i, I was so uh, like everybody was i just couldn't believe it 
I just really couldn't believe it. This is like, it's just on another level, trying to figure out what the motivation for this was. And all the speculation around Putin has gotten really crazy from an info war perspective. Like, oh, Putin has long COVID, so he's a little bit insane. Or Putin's surrounded by sycophants that just tell him yes, and he's totally irrational. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what the truth is. Well, we had that here. Well, yeah. You know, for, oh, we always have that here. But like, I, I don't know. It's just. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. I really, like, again, I just, like, for the amount of, like, and, you know, the endless scroll, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But granted, here's the thing. Uh, Ukrainian president doing a really good job of the the social medias. I'm like, you are a comedian because you, you, you have the lines. Yeah. And you are, like, performing very well in a way that, like, Putin doesn't really perform. No, no. He's very cloistered it seems like he's yeah. he's secretive he's a kgb guy you know like right yeah I, I think that the higher brass in russia is a little bit more serious because their country is not a joke to them and this does come from like a, right. an imperialist like perspective as far as like restoring the russian empire he gave that whole speech where he was very critical of the soviets which is weird for russians like y- y- at least in my opinion like Usually they they admire the Soviet Union, but he was very critical of like Trotsky and Lenin and the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk and like ever making Putin, U- yeah, ever making Ukraine. Should talking Lenin? I mean, yeah, He's gonna I mean, pop out of that glass box and start smacking smacking some heads around. The thing is, I I think people are never um very sympathetic to communism per se, but the idea right. of like the performance in the great the great war of world war two right. and like how they, it's very respectful of that era because it was a better era than now for them. Yeah. Stalinism. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to any of the people who had to like deal with that, who get disappeared real quick. I, I but mean, they've I get, also been disappearing people for a long time. So I don't know. I think that if, from what I, from what it seems to me, Russian people just have a different understanding of power dynamics and like what is acceptable and what kind of sacrifices need to be made and like what kind of autonomy individuals in a society have. It, we look at this very much from an American perspective, where yeah, it seems bad to do forced starvations and five year and like all this stuff, but compared to a czar, I don't know. Also, who knows? Most of most of the young people in Russia don't know anything about that because they all grew up post fall of the wall. They're right. thoroughly neoliberalized and they like the West. Like it's yeah. a tragedy for them in their country right now. Like I've been talking to Masha a lot just cause you know, I have a friend in Moscow. It's like, I want to know what's going on. And like, she's alternately like super fucking angry and super fucking sad. I mean, their lives are over. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, say goodbye to gallivanting around the European union on a Russian oh, visa no. or traveling to the United States or getting a job anywhere else or going to school anywhere else. Right. Your bank account is already worth a third of what it was on Friday. If you can get any money, out. if you can get the problem money out. tomorrow is that there's going to be a run on banks probably. Yeah. And that'll be fucked. I mean, they're going to re- return to the nineties. I mean, you know, Europe and the United States can't, tr- quite treat them like north korea but it'll be as close as we can get with a country like that important with nuclear weapons like they're gonna it's gonna be so bad for them and they don't you know uh, i can only speak in terms of masha but like you know she's proudly a russian person she's a jew which is weird there but proudly like slavic and a little bit of a russian nationalist i guess but thoroughly westernized like so upset I, I think thinks 
I think a lot of that generation thinks of themselves as European, yeah. not as something distinct and like, yeah, that's over, man. That's fucking yeah. over. Well, the head of the Performing Arts Center, something, something, lots of consonants, was like, I can't take a check from these people anymore. I'm like, no. well, you're not going to get a check, sweetie. Like, I mean, sure. But like, I mean, to publicly like resign and be like, do some face spitting is also kind of on the on the brave end for for them anyone who's like going like nope it's not great if you're in a public position to be like i'm a little bit confused about the stakes here who's public what are they again the head of the like public performing arts or cultural in russia yeah okay like was like can't take a check from a regime that would do like why would i no absolutely not and resigned. I'm like, oh, you did that real public. So right, right. Good for you, but um, you know, sorry. yeah. The the other thing is, it's it's an interesting thing to consider because a, a lot of war hungry Americans right now are like, well, we have to sanction Russian civilians to make them rebel against their government and overthrow Putin. And it's like, you guys, this is not a fucking pussy hat demonstration. They arrested two thousand people the other night. Yeah, those people might get disappeared. Yeah, you don't know. This is their protesting is not us protesting. They'll get fucking killed and not one person like in Charlottesville because of some maniac. They will kill them all. Yeah. Like Americans do not understand this. We don't know what a gulag is. No. Which is fun. I mean, not not funny, but we should. And coming from a bunch of people that like commit atrocities in foreign wars constantly for the last hundred years. That are bombing Yemen and Somalia right now under the cover of this Ukraine invasion, which gets no coverage. And obviously U.S. AFRICOM is using it as an opportunity because no one will talk about it now. Uh, Right. It's really rich for a bunch of Americans to like be like, well, the Russian public should like do something about this. What have we ever done about fucking anything? Mm -hmm. A lot of nothing. The most cowed population in the world, like, giving advice to how people should act. It's same goes for, like, supporting the Ukrainian side. Like, I think what's happening to them is a tragedy and everything. But, like, taking a hard stance on it one way or another and being like, they're so brave and blah, blah, blah. It's like, post a black square two summers ago. Like, get over yourself. This is all fucking garbage, you know? Well, it was very easy to put those those two colors up real quick. Like, yeah. that, that, was, that was up real fast. Um. Which, I don't know. Again, any sort of like... That's why I'm like... It's not worth having a take. It's just like, yes, this is going on in the world, but... Yeah, it's going on. It's a bad situation. There isn't a good take. No. Be anti-war. That's it. Like, I I think that's the only responsible thing is like, imperialism is bad. Right. There's no apologizing for Putin, but this war sucks all around, and America was involved. If you're going to be an American sitting here being critical of anybody, the only thing you have any barely any agency over is america's position in this and we did a lot to make this happen too so get over yourselves guys it's unclear to me like uh, anyway yeah i think like you know if if you're looking at the long view the more interesting thing is to be like you know xi jinping is like okay i'm gonna let them sort this all out but like because like Taiwan, you were next, but this is not going so well. So maybe we're just going to let them take the L on that one. We're just going to sit this out for a long while because this is going to be hot. Yes. Another reason I'm glad we didn't record the other night is because one of the things that I was saying to you that I was freaking out a little bit about is like, how are the Chinese going to react to this? That's the bigger geopolitical 
problem. They're doing the, oh, they're fucking up. <laughs> they they kind of did the, oh. I thought it. at first, like, hey, if this goes well for the Russians, if they can take this whole country in a matter of a couple of days and they roll them really fast, China will make a move on Taiwan because they'll be emboldened by it. Yeah. And no. this is all going to get memory hold, so I think it's, like, worth, like, putting on the recording like it was only a week or so ago that china china and russia had that meeting and made like a basically unofficial pact of cooperation now however over the weekend china's like yeah this is kind of bad for business and you guys didn't roll that country fast enough and they're not quite sanctioning them but they're not supporting them either correct and turkey which was also sitting on the fence it looks like is going to close access to the Bosphorus, which means they can't get from the Black Sea to the Mediterranean. They can't technically do that yet. But they're wa- they want to. It's clear that they, they want, want to. They want to, but if mm, NATO rules are really fucked up. Yeah. That's the thing. But it's like, you know, there was there was a Turkish ship that got accidentally hit. Right, right. So I, yeah, 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 exactly. I know it's 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 But no scary. one want no one no one in NATO is like can we just leave it be an accident and then we don't ratchet this up anymore? Like there's a lot of, okay, we'll, we'll accept it as an accident because we don't want to deal with the next steps because right. it's just bad. For, at the end of the day, we said before, it's bad for business. This bad is just for bad business. for business. Yeah. Like I think, you know, the kind of weird silver lining of COVID time is that like, you know, countries are like, finally we can see the end. We can start making the big bucks again. And then this happens, and at least I'm sure, like, on the American side, on the Chinese side, they're like, we can do money? We can do money more? We can have money again. More money? Money. Oh, this is happening. He's going to fuck up the money. We can fuck up the money. Yeah, yeah. We're just getting the money back. Like, I, I don't think, I think at the end of the day, all, like, you know, cooler heads are just like, can we just have some money? Can we just go back to some money? I think that is what they want, but that's why it's such an interesting and baffling move from Putin because it wasn't motivated by money. We're not used to living in a world where geopolitical decisions are made outside of capitalist thinking. Right. And he legitimately did this, like, I think from an idealistic ambition about what Russia should Forgotten be. country, yeah. And I, and I think he made a strategic gamble, which was that the United States and Europe are weak right now and that they'll spend too much time bickering to actually do anything about this. But because he fucked with the money, when push came to shove, they were like, we're all in on it being against you, which makes Turkey and China go, well, oh shit. Okay. Like, never mind. We don't support you, you know? And obviously you're pointing out that there's like a complicated thing. Cause Turkey's in NATO that closing off the Bosphorus could be a really bad situation without yeah. a, without a port, uh, except for Vladivostok. Russia's really fucked. Yeah. Cause, well, they have to go back to port if you close it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Could you end up in a weird situation where ships are firing on each other? And I think that's why, I think it was yesterday or today, um, Putin put the uh, nuclear defense on high alert in Russia. Which isn't, yeah. And the fact that that's a known thing and wasn't done clandestinely enough that it wasn't in the press mm-hmm. it means that he wants people to know yeah. that Turkey, if you do this, or whoever, if a NATO situation happens, we're going to launch. Yeah. Probably just posturing. I mean, the entire who knows? the entire theory around mutually de- assured destruction is that no one will ever actually do it for obvious reasons. Right. But no one. I mean, the whole this whole situation was an event that nobody thought was going to happen. Right. I mean, did you see the two like generals just kind of look at each other and go? <sighs> no, I didn't. There's American like a, generals or no, Russian ones? Russian ones. Yeah, because they were you know it was like at a meeting and they're at the table and they're just giving the look of 
I mean, all old Russian men look like that anyway, but they just look like, oh, God, we are so tired. No, not this. Not this now. Right. Like, well, there's a lot of Americans or I don't know, a lot of Internet people making a lot of assumptions about the nuclear war angle because they're saying, like, look, even the bureaucracy in Russia will not allow Putin to do this. If he right. actually decides to pull the trigger, they will just uh, roll him up in a carpet and throw him in the river like Rasputin, you know. However, I have no idea what his stronghold on that oligarchy and that military bureaucracy is like. It might be. That might I not think happen. The, I think the oligarchs are a little pissed right now. Well, they're getting all their shit seized. It's yeah. Really, it's probably the, you know, well, pretty Roman, bad for them. Roman Abramovich just gave up ownership of a soccer team in the UK. Yeah. Because the soccer team would have been sold off to the lowest bidder. Because that's an it's an asset. Right. And it's all frozen. Like, so he was like, oh, I'm going to hand it over. Like, I was like, hmm, interesting. Um, well... Okay, sure. But that's just a puppet control. It's just like, I'll hand it over to the governing body of the mm-hmm. club. It's like, so you can get it back later and we can't raid the, like, merch coffers? Like, what do we, what is this? Like, Well, yes, because best case scenario, in a year or two, we might look back on this and things will have settled down if it doesn't go completely ballistic. And it'll look like Crimea or uh, Georgia before that, where it was like, yeah, it's a big deal at the time, and sanctions are put in and stuff, but we have to keep the money train going. We don't really want relations to be as crazy as they are. If things stabilize and thaw a little bit, you know, they opened negotiations in Kiev tonight oh. between Ukraine and Russia because they're... they're I thought se- they were going to Minsk. Well, I mean, they have the capital surrounded oh, right. as, of, as of this recording, mm. and, like, the Ukrainians can't win that fight. The negotiations are probably kind of a sham in the sense that the Ukrainians are like, are you going to do this in good faith? And the Russians are like, no, the terms are the same as before. Zelensky leaves and we have the country now. Right. Which are unacceptable. So then they'll keep fighting. But regardless, like the channel is open because it's gotten to that level. You know, so one way or another, whether it means Russia takes Ukraine or there's some kind of split compromise, fine, you have the East, which is what everybody thought you were going to do and you got it and we have the West or whatever it is. Um it could just stabilize in that way for years, you know? Right. It still changes the the whole map in a sense because, like, I don't, it, it's weird and obvious, but, like, look at a fucking map of where Germany is, of where Poland is, of where other NATO countries are. I mean, a, a war on this scale, this close to that well, is... And it's also the biggest country, right? Yeah. So, like, you kind of don't want it in Poland, you definitely don't want it in Poland. Too small. Too small. Collateral damage on all sides. I mean... And then you start knocking just, on Germany's door and they're like, yeah, excuse I mean, me. They're just they're knocking on the door of Western Europe right now. And I, th- I think it's conceivable that it's still early. You know, who knows what's going to happen. But I think it's conceivable that if this had gone better for the Russians initially, like if we were talking about Kiev had already been seized, Zelensky had already been killed... They install a puppet. That could have happened this fast. It really could have. And it didn't. But it might. Or, or something. If it had gone better for the Russians, uh, I don't think there's any reason, based on the irrationality of the move in the first place, that they would have stopped. They might have stopped for a couple of years. But it would have built up to something else. You know? Yeah. I'm getting a call. 
You don't need to take it? Yeah. Okay. This just in. Cyber attacks on American businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. No <laughs> shit. Yeah, we'll JK. just we'll just took a business paper that we can't talk about, but uh Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We were talking about the uh escalation if it had gone better for Russia going farther. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they will, maybe they won't, who knows what's going to happen, but yeah. I mean, the cyber attacks thing is a real thing. Like I I think we're just it's an obvious point, but we're just seeing the beginning of what this is all going to mean. Because this is going to keep going on, you know, for every country involved right. for a long time. That's what's scary about it. Like, I think a lot of people, I don't know if it's the media or lack of knowledge or w- whatever it is, but I think a lot of people get hyped up on this situation for the wrong reasons. It's all about the really extreme things, like potential yeah. nukes, like World War Three. It's like, you know, maybe those things are in the future, but it's the unpredictability and the chaos that's scary it's what's scary to me is the next couple of years because it doesn't i don't know if there's going to be something catastrophic but i don't that's not what i'm afraid of. what's scary is the condition of scary like to have this idea that you just have to look through and be like let me doom scroll and i can't trust anything like in in America, like clearly we know that that has worked very well. I don't trust my doctors. I'm not getting your shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not whatever. And then you have CPAC conference going, yeah, which hot mess in and of itself. Don't want to even touch it. Um, well, what the right thinks about this whole situation is a whole nother can of worms. Who it's very know. disorienting. Yeah, and again, I'm just like, like, I think part of it is also just like. We've talked about this before. Most Americans don't know how to like unpack media in general and unpack histories of broadcast, histories of wartime propaganda, histories of the Cold War period, but also the aesthetics of all of these things. How does how does yeah. it work? How how does you know if you think about just think about Russian aesthetics period? Like you think about like constructivism, and then it turns into like that realism nonsense, the hot the hot mess afterwards you know like there's always this kind of sense of like is this what anyone thinks that's public i don't know can't tell because you're gonna get disappeared if you say what's really on your mind you know like so it's all about like the cold war never left and now we're in a technological position in our social media escape where the cold war can flourish it's just a it's just a, a you know it's just a different thing. And if you're just not paying attention or not cross checking everything, like a, the the whole point is, I think to remain neutral, like to stay sane is to remain neutral and just be like, I know, I don't know what I can believe, but I, I have a hunch, you know, and just kind of go with that. But if you're just like, woo on either side, like you're a fucking moron. Yeah. Or not a fuck. That's too judgmental. You're being misled because then you're going to have that kind of thing later of, going like oh, how i could never have believed that this could happen here um a, a cheeto man oh it's like yeah right, this, right. it could happen anywhere what the fuck is wrong with you yeah right just pay attention to your media diet and uh you know maybe go on a cleanse well you know one of the fascinating things about interacting with masha for the last couple of days is she's venting her frustration to me by sending me all of the replies to posts she's making by American liberals in the art world. 
<laughs> and <laughs> the one consistent thread through all of them is comparing Putin to Trump. Of course. And like I don't think that a lot of people understand how offensive that is to everybody. I mean to to certain American people like you get it, but Putin and Donald Trump are not the same thing at all. Like the level of agency that a population has in one person and the other person is not right, even yeah. equivalent. So saying something like uh, one of the ones that jumps out to me was like, we all know what it's like to live under a tyrant for a few years. It's like, are you kidding me? The idea that the TV billionaire is anything like Va- Vladimir Putin. We have like that whole like free press kind of thing. And like you can say shit and then well, get ratioed on Twitter. But like it's not even a question you're of not gonna that because get... do we have a free press? Like kind of not yeah, really. Kind of like really. when, you know, one of the things you said before was like, well, you might get disappeared in Russia. I'm always sympathetic to the Russian position because it's like, well, you can get disappeared in America, too. Think about all the Muslims in Guantanamo that had nothing to do with anything. Right. All the setups that the FBI did against young Muslim men to get them involved in terrorist conspiracies that they otherwise wouldn't have been involved in. Or what they're doing to Julian Assange or what they're doing to Edward Snowden or what they did to Glenn Glenn Greenwald. Like, Jesus Christ. Someone probably should have done to Glenn Greenwald, but that's I mean, the point is just that, no... I'm just we, kidding. Our propaganda around freedom of speech and freedom of press is better propaganda. And well, the American narrative and the idea of America is a better idea. But that's an abstraction. That's not a concrete reality. The question of whether it exists or not is not is not that substantially different in each place, but its history is really different. So comparing Putin to Trump makes no sense. Comparing freedom of speech in one place or another makes no sense. We have different histories of those things. Right. And how much they exist in reality, I think, is really up to debate. And if we're having a media conversation about how do you sort through this or, like, what kind of moral judgments can you make on people for where they come down on certain things, if you lack an awareness of your own history and of, like, media criticism and, uh, you know— fundamental aesthetic properties uh, of what you're what the messaging you're receiving looks like and feels like and well like contains i I, you're you're not in any better position than a russian person in moscow well because it's i think what we're dealing with you know is not the aesthetics of fear i think if you respond to the aesthetics of fear you're most people online and acting out according to that i would agree with that yeah i think the more deeply sinister one is the you know anxiety aesthetics at play where it's like you don't necessarily have to think about it but now there's a little simmer in your brain that's causing you to act you know mostly normal but then you're just like i don't know i just don't feel great and then you can't like truly be living because there's like this you know little apparition behind you going like something ooky spooky might happen today and like this is kind of like you know again not to be one of those people but this is how people treated like oh my god what crazy thing did donald trump say oh he grabbed someone what, like that's not terror no that's not a substantial it's not fear yeah. it's just stupid yeah and you're swir- you know swirling into a tizzy is just ratcheting up anxiety for other people because they're like oh, why is there media outrage like there's media outrage do i have to be concerned and it's like for the most part probably not it's just stupid man like come on like ugh. well and it's it's quite ironic that the people that are upset about a comment like grab them by the pussy are also the people that talk about misinformation the most when they're the most manipulated by that exact thing 
usually, um, not completely, but mostly from American domestic sources. Like if you think that COINTELPRO or MKUltra or any of these information warfare programs from a prior era of American history were meaningfully stopped when our military and deep state budget increased five times year over year for decades, you're out of your mind. Well, yeah. And I think it gets really meta at a certain point. Making words like misinformation or disinformation lose their meaning is an important part of what um, our domestic intelligence agencies and foreign intelligence agencies want to do to populations to keep them compliant. Right. Make them incoherent. Yeah. That will cow them beyond any potential violent action you could take because it doesn't allow a space for revolution. Yeah, it keeps the idea of collective action out of the picture. Yes. Like, which, you know, like, there's... Uh, what was that? What was that? It was like a Verso book, like one of those little monochrome thing, like the coming insurrection or something like that. The... I don't know. Someone will look it up. I don't remember that one in particular. It was around. Sure. Do you remember those little, like, you know, five by seven yeah, course, little books? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, it's Zuccotti. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Well, That's you know, so you know, Occupy Wall Street is an interesting thing because it, the way that it was caricatured in the press then and now it destroyed its revolutionary potential completely. But it was an organic thing. Right. It was just before this era of really heightened information warfare and uh, amplified social media that destroyed and distorts every movement after it. And that was on purpose. And you can see obviously why. Right. The language from Occupy of 99 versus 1% is the most uh, lasting and indelible and true thing that that movement produced. Right. It's really unfortunate that there was no more concrete steps taken to organize further after that, but it was because it was destroyed in the media. Yeah, And at the time, I don't think enough Americans, even this is still true, were savvy enough to navigate the territory and complexity of the internet and the mainstream media together. Well, that's the thing. I think that was ben- benefited. I'm going to cut you off. Sorry. Sure. It was benefited more so by the, you know, origins of it happening in an online space. And then you kind of got to see where it fell apart in the IRL because no, you know. I don't want to say it's keyboard warriors, but like at the end of the day, like sure you can get people in the park, but what do we do in spirit fingers and shit? Like not the best way to do things. Like you have to have a combo of like this internet savvy and the, the PR in order to make something like that work. Otherwise you look like stupid hippies as is how you were portrayed portrayed versus the initial conversations being had probably on Twitter early or in like what would probably have turned into a discord server you know sure sure um you know in a way that was a really great training ground for the nsa it was it absolutely to be like was. what were they talking about before this and how, okay when they got together of course it fell apart because duh but like what were they talking about before that made it so good well no i mean it's it is a question of aesthetics when they when they first got together yes it looks hippie and stupid but that doesn't mean that it's wrong the thing that happened was that aesthetic doesn't look powerful, so you can portray it as cartoonish. Right. This happened in World War I propaganda. The main mistake that the Germans made in portraying their enemies in World War I was that they portrayed them as clownish. What the Allies understood in World War I was that you need to make your enemies seem vile. 
So when you think about left-leaning revolutionary movements from the 20th century, why do you think the Black Panthers had a military aesthetic? Why did the Weather Underground actually commit violent acts and were good about their network of being secretive? Not only did it look cool aesthetically, but it's effective because it signifies power. Power against power. You don't do hippie against power. No. And also they were doing, like, if you think about the Black Panthers, there was a lot of, like, they did a lot of, like, food outreach because, you know, that was also, like, the time when, like, ooh, oof, rough rough up up north yonder. You know, like, there was on-the-ground stuff that was, you know, kind of classically grassroots organized. And then also, like, you do a march, you do a really good PR outreach. Like, printed materials were great yeah yeah and they again not only look cool but it matched like militaristic things militaristic aesthetics which then get co-opted by the nypd now talk about talk, yeah. you know they get they don't even get co-opted by the nypd the nypd inhabits them because they are a military they've just been given the budget and the resources of a well-armed militia right you know, I don't know. I mean, the the whole idea of wearing like um, being a hippie and wearing like a Vietnam War vet's jacket. We, yeah, that's not a thing you see anymore. That's part of the reason that I do it personally. I know that that like might not transmit or come across, but it's like, yeah, I wear that. I wear that military jacket. Like, I like military aesthetics for the reason that you like, like stolen valor. Yes, I know. It, but the thing I'm is, is stolen valor an op? Is a good oh, question. Right. I don't know. It might be a w- it might be an online way of preventing people from adopting the aesthetics that would actually help revolutionary movements. Oh, huh. interesting. I don't know what level of granularity to go to because again, this is all such a confusing like miasma. Right. And you sound paranoid when you start to say everything is a conspiracy because then you get a tinfoil hat, and that's not good. Well, but who knows? It's like conspiracy communities have also been infiltrated by the NSA, have oh, also right. been in- yeah. infiltrated by deep state actors. Like the entire idea that... Oh, that Michigan mayor that was going to get kidnapped or whatever? Gretchen Whitmer, the governor. Yeah, governor, that w- whatever. More people involved in that operation were FBI informants that than actual were actor- actual participants. Actors, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's... I mean, wouldn't that just be entrapment? I think that just goes under the good old-fashioned legalese of entrapment. I mean, I, I, do, I don't know the legality in enough detail, but I do not think that the FBI is subject to the same regulations as, like, a police department. The CIA is certainly not, because right before this Ukraine thing, which begs the question, because they knew Ukraine was coming, did they drop this or allow this to be broadcast because it would get immediately buried the cia has a domestic spying program on american citizens they're not supposed to operate in our borders it's illegal for the cia to do anything domestic of course they do it all the they time they do it all the time but they have like an nsa solar winds level program that's monitoring people's communications hmm. and it dropped a few days before the ukraine invasion hmm the nsa's uh looking at my dick pics i send it on the apps probably yeah not. of course they are yeah well, I mean, there you th- go, boys. There's, there's been instances of individual NSA employees getting caught spying on ex-girlfriends because they can go to that level of detail Jesus with the population and 
there's no check on them. I mean, so back to the broader media point, I think that's what's always kind of fun to talk about and is very disorienting. And when we're talking about like being afraid or the aesthetics of fear or whatever, I think that powerful actors that are a sufficient level of complex, meaning nation state actors, have moved on from propaganda in the way that we understood it in right. the 20th century. It's much more integrated into everyday life than that, which makes everyday life really disorienting because you have to have conversations about these things, whether you like it or not with other people. But this, you know, and then trying to, you get the tinfoil hat label as soon as you try to untangle the information warfare for a plebe. This is why, I mean, I'm going to say yes. I hear and understand that, but you know, think about also we're in February only wow um we're in february um a bunch of stimmy just ran out or stopped you like family stimmy the child tax yeah. credit yeah so you know part of keeping power is keeping people in a state of anxiety absolutely so why would you you know again why would you want anyone any people to feel some sense of fiscal and social safety that that doesn't keep them in line, you know, and it's 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 a little, it's gross, but it's like of course, like like everyone was, people were happy, and secure, like financially secure, food secure, like wild, but it's like oh no, we can't have that because then people might just get a little too, you know, might have start to have ideas about stuff. I don't think it's really about what people will have ideas about. I think that elites understand that a certain level of precarity is necessary for profits. I, I think, but I think we're I also think, learning like, fuck your precarity. Like, I think broadly, even elites understand that a stable society is better than a destabilized society. Hmm. Right. Yeah. In terms of income inequality, in terms of information warfare, but it's gone it's gone so far that they have to kind of keep doubling down on things that even they know are not making the situation better because new and unexpected things happen that require a shift of narrative. It's no coincidence that COVID is over at the same time that this is happening. Right. If you legitimately think that like the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates being pulled around this time is just random, yeah. You're out of your mind. What they realize is like, look, we can destabilize society and keep them compliant to a certain degree. But if we do strict COVID and war, oh, we're going to lose yeah. them. We're going to lose the plot. We can keep the economic precarity and use the tax base to fund the war, but they have to not have the COVID anymore. Right. Well, they're they're gonna, trying they're to balance have... the scales because the way that they know how to balance these levels is only according to things that fuck things up. They're gonna. They're. I mean, the people are still gonna have the COVID, but again, now, again, we called this very early. COVID problems will now just be an employer problem, of like you better have some way to you know pay pay for the people or have some kind of thing in place. Like, good luck. Uh, we're not taking. We're not paying for the tests anymore, because. 
in further the, in the UK they're like no more free tests. Further than that, it will just be an individual problem, which we did call. It right. won't even be a corporate problem. The reason for removing mandates and masks things and stuff is like big business doesn't have time to worry about this anymore. We're gonna have to retool a lot of supply chain issues, a lot of energy issues because there's more pressing problems right now that require our resources. Right. So we're gonna even take this off corporations. Yes, individuals will still get COVID. It's still out there. It will still be going on. But then it's gonna be um, a question of did you get it at work? Or did you do that to but yourself? But now it's your problem. Yeah. It's not society's problem. And if you take away free testing, no one's going to get tested for it anyway and just be like, well, whatever. Well, and they kind of lucked out in the sense that if you just take away the narrative that it's a problem, most people will, even the cr- most crazy triple masking people, will eventually stop worrying about it because we got lucky in this pandemic and the death rate is not as high as it could be if it was Ebola. But they're burning the bridge of future situations like this. This is what I mean when the trade-offs are getting really bad. Like, to maintain a profit margin, they're doing things that are increasingly destructive to people's psyches. And I I don't know. They're not going to be able to ride this out forever. But that could mean a century or two. Like, we don't know, you know? Like, I think I said on another episode, maybe an after show, that, like, the most apt comparison that I've heard and makes a lot of sense to me is like the Gutenberg Bible and the Protestant Reformation. Like that shook out into the 30 years war and then stabilized in terms of monarchies for a while. And then the Napoleonic Wars. And that's the really quick simplified version of it. And then the revolutions of 1848 and Marxism and the early 20th century, like we're looking at the beginning of something like that, a much larger historical process, not Ukraine and Russia. That's right. not why this is important. What was the War of Roses? I'm going to, that's a sidetracking question, but I always, I never understood. I, d- I actually don't know what that is. That's something in England, but I, d- I don't remember. Ireland, England, just having a. I don't think it was Ireland and England. I think that was between two different royal courts, Mm. like vying for who is the true monarch. But don't quote me on that. I really don't know. All right. That's just my vaguely remembered, like reading the Wikipedia page one time 10 years ago. Fair. Summary of it. But yeah, I mean, we're looking at something like that. Like, that's why this is important and scary. The macro picture is why it's scary. Who knows what's going to happen in the local environment for the next couple of years? It's not going to be good, but like, you know, brace yourselves. Like, you've seen all these Time Magazine covers, right, of the end of the end of history? (sighs) Whatever. Um, Which is a catchphrase, actually, that a very good uh, Europe-based politics podcast has been using for a long time, and I'm sad that Time Magazine's, like, stealing the Fukuyama irony. But, um... It is true, but then they pair it with like an image of Vladimir Putin with a Hitler mustache on or whatever. Okay. They do their they do their dumb. You have to make it easy for, you know, the people who still get a Time magazine dentist right. office around the the land need to have something in 6 months for people to go, "Oh, is this what this was about?" Well, all the people comparing Putin to Hitler and like the World War II analogies. I mean, yes, it's Eastern Europe, like it's sort of, but like We'll see what happens. I mean, I would grant that, like, yeah, we're getting there in certain ways, but come on. It's it's not the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I did giggle. The the one one of the uh, RT broadcaster guys was throwing a hissy because his yacht got repoed. He's like, oh, is this what this means? 
we don't get to have Italian villas anymore. And it's like, well, for someone who's like, you know, they're going to let the gays in, into Russia. You chose the gayest nation in all of Europe to have a summer home, my dude. Well, it's not Greece, but you know, a lot of olive oil and wrestling in the histories on those shores. My, my guy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, but you fuck with people's wallets, and you, you well, we'll see who. We'll this see is who another. Turns, this is know? another reason to believe. Who knows if it's true that Putin overplayed his hand here? Because, like, if Russian oligarchs are mad that their yachts are getting seized, and the Russian population is mad that they can't travel to Europe anymore, Ooh, like, baby, it doesn't yeah. mean a color revolution is coming or something. But like, I don't think there's an American equivalent to that. Like, I can't imagine how bad they would have to fuck it up to make people as angry as it seems like the Russian population is about this. Well, it's weird to have oligarchs a little mad and like the population mad. Well, yeah, too. You don't want to make them mad because they all survived the cold war too. Like they're right. not American oligarchs that are fourth generation wealth. These people like killed people in the nineties to get where they are. Right. They'll do it again. They would not give a shit if Putin was fucking it up enough to maybe to do something about it just need a little piano wire well you know maybe they kill him or maybe they don't but all you need is somebody sufficiently powerful enough in a region of the country to be like i'm autonomous oh right yeah you can i do don't nation I, state, I don't yeah. i don't know enough about the internal situation like i get the sense that that's not possible no. I, I think they've been effectively cowed but like who knows or enough of them leave i mean their economy is the size of belgium's belgium little though yeah, I know. I mean, huh. Russia has a huge landmass and has a lot of natural resources in terms of oil and gas. But other than that, they don't have a very productive domestic economy. This is why this situation is so bad for them. They're really fucked. And maybe their population will ha have had enough of it one way or another. I don't know what that looks like is the thing. Right. But, uh, it's very clear that he made a mistake. There was an oopsie. Yeah. 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 Well, I think... I think the the misplay was, oh, wait, they're going for the money? And the EU's just like, sure, we don't care. Well, I think that he probably anticipated all of that. What I don't think he... Th I don't think he realized that the Ukrainians wouldn't fold. That was mistake number one. They actually don't really want to be a part of Russia, which yeah. is actually kind of surprising to learn. I kind of thought mostly they would fold because really it is divided between east and west ukraine the part of the western part of ukraine that used to be part of austria hungary is thoroughly european like they, yeah. they don't they're like no they no speak we don't their do their own this. language yeah. they were aggrieved during the stalin era to a degree on the level with the holocaust it was that bad for them i get yeah. why they don't like russia but that's why i thought he would just take the east and the west would be its own country now right that made a lot of sense but going for the whole shebang was the mistake yeah then the Ukrainians the fought back yeah. harder, and I don't think he thought that China would abandon him. I don't think he thought that Turkey would get involved. I don't think he thought that, like, Kosovo is like, we need to speed up our NATO membership. Like, the Baltic states that are, are like, already are in like, NATO don't even try are like, it. don't even come over here. We're putting troops over there. Like, I think he thought that the timing was right, and actually, on the surface of it, as far as I could tell, that seemed like a good move, but... The, here's the here's the last thing I kind of want to talk about is the thing that's negative about it to me from an American perspective is like all of the forward momentum of American decline that might have earned us like some kind of social democracy 
was just completely destroyed because now the military budget's going to go up. It already did, but it but it's going to go up more. more. We're going to pay for more of Europe's shit. Like I think Europe is going to start paying for it. They're going to pay for it too, I but think... they only have to increase their budget from one point five percent to five percent. Yeah, but I wonder you know? if they're like, well, we're going to just uh, have to start ratcheting it up. So all right. I do think it's true that they don't trust us as much. They're like, you guys, you know, Joe Biden pissy pants over here can't really be, you know, we can't, he's going to sit it out because he's a little tired. I think that's absolutely right. So let's, let, we're going to have to actually talk about redistributing some funds here. I think they're definitely looking and out for God themselves for, in a way that they're not used to doing. And God forbid you take, the French are going to be like, what? Well, you take away my, my high speed rail goes up. My... Uh, my healthcare costs, every european country is gonna feel that way yeah imagine how you would feel if your taxes were already 45 percent and then they go up to 50 percent oh bitch like yeah. you already don't make that much money but your quality of life is good it's, but yeah. now you're in the american situation where hey guess what your taxes are pretty high and your quality of life is going down yeah they're gonna destabilize their own countries getting ready for a war with russia like in, this is why again none of it's good and why over the decades it's gonna get worse and play out in a new bizarre way that will parallel past historical eras yeah i wonder also if it's also mm, mm. but technology keeps developing at the same time like that's what that's what the uh, x factor is in historical moments is technological development and what that allows for political possibility yeah this is mostly i mean granted yes there is groundwork but like what we're talking about aesthetics it's all on twitter and it's all on like images and words in terms of yeah. swaying people towards what's going to happen, which is wild. I mean, we don't have like Weibo chat. What is it? Weibo? Weibo. What the fuck is it called in China? Their social media. Texting. I think it's called Weibo. Yeah. Like we don't use that. So we don't know what the conversation is over yeah, there. I mean, do you read Chinese anyway? No. Yeah. So how would you know? Maybe they use emojis like we do. I think they use more emojis than we do. Yeah. So I can but they out. definitely only use the yellow ones. Okay. Um, I'm so tired. <laughs> but you know, I the, the aesthetic point. I mean, images and words. That's kind of always how it's been. Right. Like, think about World War II, and between your double showing at the theater, you would see uh, a film about Iwo Jima or about Peleliu right. in between. Peloton. Like, yeah, uh, the Peloton Islands. <laughs> Bicycles everywhere. Uh, they're a giant Ponzi scheme, and if you travel there, you lose all your money in the stock market. And you get a heart attack. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like this is always how it's been. It's just on a more accelerated scale. What I kind of meant by the technological development point was like, from my pessimistic angle, like the comforts that technology will allow that can substitute for like a viable real life with nice material conditions, like owning a home and having interactions with friends. Like if you get a photorealistic metaverse, that's also haptic. That is olfactory that has enough of the qualities of real life. It doesn't actually matter what's happening in the real world. And think about the information warfare. Is this your endorsement of meta? It's not an endorsement at all. No, no, no. Oh, I started okay. this out by saying that it's pessimistic and that what it makes me wonder is the direction that the techno-utopians are taking us in simultaneously with all of this sort of 20th century warfare and information war. 
is not good. That trajectory together is very bad. A cowed population that is in dream world lives in the pods and eats bugs doesn't really care if there's war going on. Even nuclear war at a certain point. If you hey, you can live underground because the photorealistic metaverse you can live wherever you want. No, but you won't get any vitamin D. We can do it synthetically by installing a UV fluorescent light in your pod or whatever. You know, like all of these simulations are trying to get skin cancer are are on a subconscious level trying to solve problems that don't exist yet. Right. But will. And I think when you have generations that grow up with no knowledge of the before times, there's nothing to lament. Right. I don't want to live in the goo pod, though. Well, yeah, we might might never have to. We'll be the holdouts that are like, no, we're going to live above ground. Like, I have so much debt that the radiation will be kind of a gift. (laughs) But you'll have meta credits and and doggo bucks to spend. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Like, imagine, imagine a world where a photorealistic VR meeting is better than a Zoom meeting. No. Do you really think that you won't adopt it? No. I like stuff. I love stuff. So do I, but it's really easy to say you wouldn't adopt it. However, I didn't really use Zoom or Skype that much in my life, but then the pandemic hits and you use it all the time. We used it every week. We maintained a relationship and a podcast over it for almost a year. <sighs> yeah, I think it's really hard to avoid this stuff. You don't have any choice, really. Yeah, but that's not... You can reject it, but you'll be the person with the flip phone. And eventually your friends will be like, you need to look something up. Get your own fucking phone. Right. These things move on in spite of you. And that combined with decaying geopolitics is not a good recipe. That's all I'm saying. (sighs) Can I just have high-speed rail, nice things, linen tablecloths? Stick, Move to Europe, ball, man, but good you know. luck Good luck doing that now. And oh, I don't no, know no, when no. the tanks start rolling. Yeah, I'm not that. sure that's a great place to live anymore. Yeah, I can't leave there. Canada sucks, too. Um, Canada's worse. I know. Honestly, like, I just wish I was rich. Because the United States is the best country in the world if you're rich. It really yeah. is. You could just move to Utah for, for the bad times. Yeah, sure. Move into Kanye's old compound in Wyoming. It looks like a bomb shelter. You'd be fine. No, his he just has like a ranch house there. Oh, where's the weird freaky house that looks like a chapel? Oh, that's that where the... he does like Sunday service. That's just like a church. No, there's one that is just like plaster. Is that the Calabasas house? I'm not sure. He has probably has houses all over the place. Hoes in different area codes and uh, mm-hmm. homes. Hmm. Great. Well, this was a downer thought we were going to talk about like all the fun stuff i mean we can talk about the fun stuff on the after show we're not going to give listen once out of every 10 episodes you have to give me a politics downer i know that's just a requirement i'm just thinking about the ratings now you know you just tell me what the metrics are you listen back to old episodes and it used to be one out of every like two yeah and i've cut it down to like one out of every 10 maybe 20 Mm, so seven and come on, this is a pretty big fucking deal. It's like, a, I, I wanted to record about it because this is like a blog for us. Nobody listens true, to yeah. this shit. It's nice to, like, get it down. Right. You know? Yeah. And what, 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 
what did we what were the conclusions we know nothing we think we know things we know nothing and it's bad yeah it's bad welcome to vietnam again now we kind of knew a lot more mm-hmm. than like, you know you're not wrong walter you're just an asshole so i shall be